Hello, this is Brian Bolio from ITR Economics. Thank you for joining us for the Nelson Mullins uh, event. Uh, it was a great event. I, I was blown away by the caliber of the panel. Um, I was honored to be uh, part of the event. We didn't get to uh, the questions that we had hoped to go through, so we had some extras, and as promised, we're making them available via this Trends Talk. Uh, you found your way to our website, so let's go through them. Of the many data points that look like anomalies in 2020, which could surprise us by becoming lasting trends? That's a, that's a tough question. Um, I think the one that could be a lasting trend, and it's not positive, and you didn't ask for positive ones, is that over the last four years, uh, we've added $7 trillion to our uh, national debt. Uh, most of that held by, um, it's privately held. And a lot of that has happened over 2019, 2020. And I think that's going to be a lasting trend. Uh, if you look at the plans for 2021, and I'm sure there'll be more in 2022, um, that's a lasting trend. Uh, and it's going to have ramifications, uh, as we talked about. Um, the Federal Reserve's uh, tremendous monetary stimulus is a lasting trend. It will have long-lasting implications. If you're talking about something um, more than that, I, you know, those two things have profound ramifications within the mergers and acquisitions realm in terms of valuations, multiples, uh, whether they're multiples of good or compressed, whether you're going to be involved in earn-out situations or not. So that's, that's the best I can do at that particular time. When are the markets going to change? When will the depression hit and how long? What do we do with our kids during this time? I'm not sure what we mean by when are the markets going to change. So I'm going to have to pass on that one. It's C-H-A-I-N. Sorry. When will the depression hit and for how long? We're still looking at, we think, a peak year being 2029. Keep in mind that's still a long ways out. So, you know, one or two years earlier, one or two years later, um, it depends on the circumstances at that time. Uh, how long do we think uh, it's going to last? And that's for how long we're, our theories are showing that the bottom of the depression will be 2036. Now keep in mind, it's not one linear fall uh, from 2029 through 2036. You have business cycles in there. It's just that there are successively lower lows, uh, at least one before you hit that really low point of 2036. And what do you do with our kids during this time? If this time is today, we make sure that we educate them in fields that are going to still be in demand, even in the midst of a depression. Um, remember, even if there's 20% unemployment, but by comparison, COVID, we saw 14.5%. So even if there's 20% unemployment, there's 80% employment. So we got to make sure our kids are in these skill level sets, these jobs that are still going to be in demand, even when the economy is struggling. Uh, that's the, one of the big things we can do with our kids. Um, today that will serve them well during the 2030s. Another one would be make sure they are bilingual. Um, 
I happen to think French, and, and Alan agrees with me, uh, is uh, a great second language to have uh, because of its universality and because it puts you in good stead for doing business in Africa. And Africa has so much potential by virtue of having so many people and so many resources uh, during that period. Encourage your children to save money. Um, you know, we invented games with our kids and, and how to teach them about investing, saving and investing uh, along the way and, and that they should be living below their means. And that's not something that my generation was ever taught. And I don't think Gen Xers were taught either, but teach them to live below their means. Um, and you'll be doing them a world of favor. Why do you feel China's best days have passed? Demographics? State intervention in their largest companies, lack of consistent rule of law. Uh, what about American companies like Starbucks and Tesla investing in China? Uh, there's a whole bunch of questions in here. One of the reasons why we think China's best days have passed is clearly tied to their demographics. Uh, history is very clear. It's very tough to achieve organic growth when your population is no longer growing. The second thing you touched upon is state intervention in their largest companies. I'm taking that to mean you're aware that uh, the government is diverting resources and capital away from the fledgling free market parts of their economy and more toward the state-owned enterprises, which are terribly wasteful, but where they get their political backing, where the government gets its political backing. And that's really changing a trend that has been in place for about 20 years now, or at least 10. I shouldn't be so glib about 20 years. Their, their lack of consistent rule of law, I wouldn't even use the word consistent. There's just a lack of rule of law in China. And that's a, that's a huge issue. Um, again, history is very clear on that realm. You need the rule of law uh, if you're gonna consistently grow your economy. And what about American companies like Starbucks and Tesla investing in China? They're going there because they intend to serve that domestic market. Even when their population base is shrinking, as it is starting in 2021, keep in mind, if you don't have anything but a negligible market share, there's a whole lot of market share growth to be had in an economy like China. And the same thing with India. Um, India is 3.3% of the world's GDP, and that's really that barely moves the needle compared to the United States, Japan, China, Germany. Um, but there's just so many people, you can't afford not to be there. Just understand that you're not going to get the whole pie growing in China. It's really a market share play. Is the recent cryptocurrency phenomena worth commenting? Uh, I think it is. Um, you know, I have multiple friends, obviously, like everybody else in the investment field, and most of them are of the same mind. Cryptocurrencies are um, an interesting financial play, but they don't represent a store of value. It's where you go when you have some extra cash, fund money, and you wanna see what you can do with it. Uh, one that has done very well over the last four weeks is Theta, uh, which a friend of mine has been uh, very interested in. Some of our team members at ITR are into the cryptocurrencies. And it's, it's like how you and I used to play penny stocks. That's how you play the cryptocurrencies, okay? Uh, it's not how you are going to build long-term wealth, but it's how you are going to have some fun and make some money at the same time. In terms of cryptocurrency taking over the greenback, the dollar, 
or any other nation's currency, don't see that happening. Um, no central banker, including our own Federal Reserve, is going to be willing to give up that sort of monetary control. In fact, the Federal Reserve has said that they're coming out, they are working on the details now of coming out with their own cryptocurrency to replace our dollar bills and our coins as a means of transmitting uh, monetary value. Uh, so it's not the cryptocurrency per se, it's just all the, you know, there's like 1,500 cryptocurrencies. That's going to get consolidated and it will be controlled by, uh, controlled by the government. Now the question, in past year's presentations, you have forecast a very severe worldwide economic collapse in 2930. Is that your firm's projection? Yes, still, yes. You know, we looked at all the variables because of COVID and all this added debt, uh, monetary policy stimulation, both of which were off the charts. And we asked ourselves, should we change the timing of that uh, slide into the economic malaise or whole of 2030s? And we kept coming back to know, remember, it, yeah, national debt was a huge part of it, but we realized that it had to do with, the, as long as the world's willing to lend us that money, it's not the debt per se, it's them having confidence in the U.S. So we're setting up uh, uh, a tripwire, if you will, using some pretty good algorithms to determine if we see the world is losing faith in the U.S. in terms of our debt. Some of the other factors were healthcare spending, that's gonna to continue to soar, um, but nothing's really changed in terms of that trend because of COVID, it's the spike. We're looking at a big difference in demographics. No, there's no change in the demographics trend. Uh, it's a tragedy how many people have died, but it's not enough to really change that trend. Um, and inflation, inflation, the uh, prospects for inflation have been heightened um, by the Federal Reserve actions, but that's for the second half of the decade. And again, that plays into the right timeline. So no changes. What indexes tend to be leading indicators for commercial construction? Now, the best indexes for that are going to be housing starts that leads by about 20 to 25 months. You can use the ITR leading indicator. That does a good job, and you can use corporate profitability. And if you're interested, go on our website and um, check out Datacast. It's a software platform that we have. It's available. Uh, you can use it for 90 days for free. So you can find commercial construction and you can run it against a whole myriad of leading indicators. Datacast will tell you what the correlation coefficients and what the lead times are. You can put in your own company data and see how you stack up against commercial construction, how you stack up against the leading indicators against GDP. What do you think about U.S. dollar devaluation and its future prospects? We just finished a study on the USD and U.S. dollar, and it's going into a cyclical decline now that is likely to last into uh, early 2022. And that's cyclical, and that has its own uh, ramifications, right? But And depends on which side of the exchange rate coin you want to be sitting. But beyond early 2022, we were wondering, is the weakness in the US dollar likely to be one of the hallmarks of this coming decade? And the answer we came back with is, yeah, it's beginning to look like that's probably going to be a hallmark of this decade. And we've seen that before, like uh, in the um, 
2000 through 2010 period. I mean, it's not the, our first rodeo at seeing these long secular trends either rising or declining when it comes to the value of the U.S. dollar. And we think that tide is now running toward uh, our systemic weakness in the uh, dollar. The other question we have is, what is the outlook for electrical power engineering construction for the next 10 years? I, I don't have a, uh, a firm answer on that. Sorry uh, that I don't. The Biden administration says that they're committed to uh, an infrastructure build out that will include our um, power grids, uh, moving us more and more off fossil fuels and more on to uh, renewable energies, and that would be part of electrical power engineering and construction, because that would take quite a bit of re-engineering of our current grid. So I'd say the prospects are good, but you know, until the money is actually flowing, it's just a prospect promised by politicians. Do you think that sales at the supermarket online of consumables will continue to be at the current level, or do you think they will tail off as restaurants come back online? We absolutely think that the current supermarket online consumables will tail off. The restaurants are gonna be coming back online. Uh, the more the population gets vaccinated, uh, and if we, if we really don't have to worry about variants or hamstringing us, we think over the course of 2022, you're going to see a normalization of those two means of consuming food. And last question, is there any specific fundamental macro trends among millennials that we need to be aware of? Uh, you, you know, I had some ahas there because Alan and I were looking at this for some uh, research for our next book. You know, and we were all told, and I helped propagate the myth that millennials were late getting married and that was different. Come to find out it wasn't different. Delaying getting married is a trend that started in 1975 to be exact. And therefore it was begun with boomers. It was continued that delay was part of the Gen X experience and the millennials really are just on trend with that delay. We were also told that the millennials aren't likely going to own automobiles. Well, lo and behold, 80% of them own an automobile today. They're not eschewing the automobile. Um, and we're also finding that as they are having children, they are more prone to not living in urban areas. In other words, when we look at the data of how they're thinking and how they're behaving, they look like Gen Xers. I remember millennials, see, that's even worth segregating right into the young millennials and the older millennials. The younger millennials haven't matured to the point where they're going to start behaving like Gen Xers. But the um, older millennials clearly are, economically speaking, beginning to behave like the Gen Xers, and we understand Gen Xers. That, um, I, I try to emphasize the word behave, economically behave. That doesn't mean they don't think differently. That doesn't mean that they are socially different. But as far as economic performance or behavior, um, we were pleasantly surprised to see, uh, oh, yeah, we know this, we've seen this happen before. This, this is really fairly normal. That was, as I mentioned, our last question. Uh, I really appreciate the opportunity to um, do this uh, with our friends at Nelson Mullins. And I thank you all very much for letting us be a part of your future in this way. This is Brian Bolio, 
representing all the amazing men and women of ITR Economics who together make this happen. Thank you.